Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in week three of our sermon series called At the Movies. And remember what we're doing in this series this summer to kind of have a little bit of fun is we're using the power of movies to help us explore some biblical truths in deeper, more practical ways in our quest to better follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So in week one, we kicked this series off with a bit of help from the movie Up. And what we learned from that inspiring movie, along with the book of Ecclesiastes, is that not only is it God's will for us to live lives devoted to his purpose, right? We, we are called to live into a specific purpose, but it's also God's will that as we are doing that purpose, that we take some time to stop and smell the roses so that we don't get so caught up in trying to get to where we're going that we miss out on the, the goodness and the beauty that's right in front of us. Then last week, with a bit of help from the Lego movie, which is one of my favorite movies, we not only learned about how God created us to be creators or beings that can take what God has provided and mold and shape that to create our realities, but also last week, we learned about how the United States of America, in a sense, was one of the first countries in the history of the world to unleash the power of human creativity on the world. It was one of the first countries that gave us the ability to live in to, to this co-creator status, this image of God that God has given to us. And so this week, to keep this sermon series moving right along, what we're going to be getting into today with a bit of help from my girl's favorite movie of all time, Frozen 1. How many of you guys have seen Frozen? How many of you have seen Frozen 714 times? How many of you have read every book on Frozen? How many of you have a daughter or a granddaughter that has a dress that plays the music? How many of you have a love-hate relationship with Frozen? I do. I still, I still read that book. Man, that movie came out a long time ago. Now, the reason we're going to get into this uh, movie or what this movie is going to help us to do is we're going to see that, that God created us to be us. Or how sometimes we just need to let it go, let it go, <laughs> and embrace who God created us to be. So when you begin to do a bit of research on who God created us to be as human beings, what you'll find out very quickly is that we're not created to be the same. Or we're not created to be like a bunch of robots with the same skills, the same programming, to do everything just alike. But instead, we're created by God with a whole lot of diversity. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, gives us a poetic description of this, which I absolutely love. It says, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know so well. And the word picture that the psalmist is giving us here 
is that like a skillful artisan in the ancient world, knit together beautiful one-of-a-kind pieces. Because in the ancient world, there was no such thing as mass production of anything. Everything was a one-of-a-kind piece. Our God designed, shaped, and formed each and every one of us to be exactly who we are. And not only did God knit us together to be who we are, As you keep reading the psalm, you will find that God created us for a particular purpose. It says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. And the way I interpret verse 16 here is that when God created us, or God fearfully and wonderfully knit us together in our mother's womb, he didn't just make us all the same, but created each of us for our particular purpose. Or like a construction architect designs and builds every square inch of a building for a particular purpose according to a specific plan, God designed every single one of us to be exactly who we need to be. God didn't create you to be anybody else other than who you are. Which is a logic that if you get it, will transform you because we have to be honest, we live in a culture that tells us that we have to fit into boxes. We have to do this. We have to do this. We have to be like everyone else. That's not the way God designed us. Which, by the way, is the same logic that you'll find being proclaimed throughout the New Testament. But especially when it comes to the body of Christ, or when it comes to the church, who we are, what God is calling us to be. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 begins in this way, and it says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Then in 15 it says, Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, that would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Or as you guys know, you guys have heard this a hundred times in your life if you've been to a church at all. The point that Paul is making here, one of the points that Paul is making here, is we're not created to be the same. But we're created as one-of-a-kind individuals that fit into the overall collective body of Christ. Or we have our place and our specific role to play in God's plan for the world, which means our purpose in life is not to be anyone other than who God created us to be. Did you get that? Your purpose in life is not to be anyone other than who God created you to be. But what takes this teaching even to a deeper level, which for me is very important to get given the world that we live in, is that what Paul is also doing here is he is proclaiming that No one is better than anyone else in the body. If we're honest, we live in a world where there's kind of a hierarchy, where some people are considered to be more important than others. And Paul's going to show us here that for Christians, that's not the way things are. We are all equal. He, He says this, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. 
The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Did you hear that? There should be no division in the body. We're having a really hard time with that these days, even within you know, individual churches. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part should suffer with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And again, in the body of Christ, we are not all created to be the same, but we're created as one-of-a-kind individuals who are equally needed for the functioning of the body. Or contrary to popular belief, no one is better than anyone else. No one is more important than anyone else when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to where we fit in God's kingdom. But we're still not quite done delving into this incredible teaching. So I don't know if you guys have figured this out yet, but I am a nerd. And I, oh, you guys know. So what I love to do is I love to wrestle and, and, and take these texts and figure out what's going on in the ancient world and what's going on in these particular texts. Well, what you will find when you read this particular text is that we have read this so many times that we just think, oh, yeah, that's a teaching from Paul. That's about the church. But what you'll find in the ancient world is that this was a common metaphor used by the Romans. And the way the Romans used this particular metaphor was to show that some people are better than others. This is the way that the gods created the world to be. So what Paul is actually doing here with this metaphor, so we know this metaphor, we think this is the way it's supposed to be, is, this is he is actually taking what everybody else in the ancient Roman world would have understood, and he is tweaking it to say, no, 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 this is how the world really is. Let me show you how the Romans kind of do this. And I'll try to explain it to you as we go along. It says, While the belly remained quietly in their midst with nothing to do but to enjoy the good things which they bestowed upon it. So we have a belly here, and then we have the they, and the they is every other part of the body, right? So you got the body, and you got the belly. Therefore, they conspired together, the rest of the body, that the hand should carry no food to the mouth, nor the mouth accept anything that was given it, nor the teeth grind up what they receive. But while they sought in this angry spirit to starve the belly into submission, the members themselves and the whole body were reduced to the utmost weakness. And what's going on here in this particular use of this metaphor in the ancient Roman world is that because the stomach does nothing but sit around and just enjoy life, the rest of the body gets ticked off. Like, hey, wait a minute, you're just sitting around doing nothing. You need to do something. So what they do is they refuse to feed the stomach. And what happens if you refuse to feed the stomach? Everybody suffers. And so the logic behind that is that the way the Roman gods designed the world to work at that time is that there is the elite. There's the rich and powerful. And guess what their job in the body is to do? You'll never guess. Sit around and just enjoy life like a stomach just sits there and does nothing. While everyone else in the body, their God-given purpose in life is to do what? To feed them. Or that's how they understood the world to work. This, this particular uh, instance of the body metaphor that I'm giving you here is there's, there's a, a gentleman who's giving a speech to a bunch of soldiers who have just 
uh, rebelled, and this puts them all back in line. They're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the way it's supposed to work, so we need to do what we're supposed to do. Or basically, it's to everyone else except for those in the stomach, it's shut up and do your job because that's just how things work. So that's how 90, 95% of all the people in the ancient world thought. That's how the world was supposed to be. And so what Paul does when he comes in here and he makes this tweak, which he's changing the world. He's absolutely changing the world, showing us that according to the real creator of the universe, not those Roman gods, not the way the Romans think, that there is no such thing as people being better than anyone else when it comes to the different parts of the body because God created all of us just as we are with all of our gifts and talents and weirdness, right? How many of you have some weirdness? He created us with that to play our specific part. It doesn't matter if you are a doctor or a custodian. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer or a secretary. It doesn't matter if you're a minister or a deacon. It doesn't matter. In the body of Christ, every person is needed to play their part. Every person is needed. With Paul even going on in this metaphor to show that in God's kingdom, those parts that are without honor are the ones that we should be treating with more honor. It doesn't mean they're any better. It just means we should treat them with more honor. They need a little more special attention. So how amazing is that, Right? You, you read these texts that you've known your entire life and then when you dig around in the ancient world, you find that, no, no, Paul's not just telling us because it's a nice way to wrap up the body of Christ. No, what Paul is doing here is he's saying, no, no, no. The way you guys organize the world is wrong. This is the way the creator wants the universe to be organized. This is the way it's supposed to be. We all have our part to play. No one is better than anyone else. What if we actually live that? What if we actually treated people that way? Okay. So now that you see that, what you've got to understand, or, or what is being taught here, is that what God wants most for you is for you not to try to be someone else, or to you to spend your life chasing after someone else's dreams. No, what God wants most for you is for you to be you. What God wants most for you is for you to be you in all of your strange, stinky, and weird glory. God created you to be you. And the reason God wants this is because if you do not become and do what it is that God called you to become and do, then the whole body suffers. We all need you. The kingdom of God needs you to be exactly who God created you to be. So with that being said, let's stop spending so much of our time comparing ourselves to others. How many of you are guilty of comparing yourself to others? Anyone? And for those of you who don't raise your hands, you're lying. <laughs> right? Let's stop living someone else's dream. Let's stop trying to be what we're not and embrace who God created us to be. Or let us learn to trust God with everything that we are knowing that our God created us to be exactly who we needed to be and has given us exactly what we need to have to go out and do what he created us to do. If you'll go with the world with that mindset, there is nothing that can stop you. Now, you might not become what you, you know, once dreamed you were going to be, but you'll become who God created you to be, which is what you need, whether you know it or not, and it's what we all need from you. So let's stop. 
It makes us miserable anyway. It makes us miserable anyway. And the way that I would propose that we make this happen, which is a fun way to get this to stick in your brain, is I would propose that we all adopt the ELSA principle. How many of you know what the ELSA principle is? You shouldn't know because I just made it up. I was just going to see if anybody would raise their hand. You guys did good. So what the ELSA principle is this. For those of you who have seen this movie 7,000 times, the ELSA principle is when Elsa in the movie Frozen finally gets fed up with hiding who she really is. You know, which is something that her parents are in on. And after years of keeping it to herself, she finally lets it all go and becomes herself. Which is exactly what that horrible song that will play in your head over and over again is all about. So check this out. And if you really want to, you can sing along. <laughs> wow, I get, I get a clap on that deal? So the reason I use that example is because the truth is that example is never going to leave your brain because I just sang. I mean, that's what you do as a preacher. You try to get this stuff to stick, but that doesn't make it any less important. If you truly want to become the person who God created you to be, if you truly want to live into the life that God has created you for, you got to let it go and become who God created you to be for your own sake, for the sake of the world, and for the sake of God's kingdom. Let us pray. Father, truth is we live in a world that's full of comparisons. We live in a world with an unspoken hierarchy where some people are considered to be better than others. Um, and what we find you proclaiming here is that we, as Christians, need to be different. We need to step outside of this, this rat race of trying to keep up with the Joneses of comparing ourselves to others and just become ourselves. Or learning to trust that you created us to be exactly who we need to be. You have given us exactly what we need to have to go out and do what you have created us to do. So help us, O oh Lord, 
this week and for the rest of our lives. Truly live this. To, to give everything that we are, not to being someone else or to chasing after someone else's dream, but to becoming who you created us to be. And then help us to do all those things that you've created us to do for our own sakes, for the sake of those around us, and for the sake of the kingdom of God. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.